Welcome to Unspoken, the podcast that highlights experiences that are all too common but very rarely discussed. I am Dr. Cloda Campbell, the wellness psychologist, and I feel very passionately about speaking the unspoken to remove the taboo and shame that so often surrounds our experiences and internal worlds. For each episode of Unspoken, I am joined by someone who would like to uncover their unspoken with us in order to help themselves, but also in order to help others. I really hope that you enjoy today's episode and that you take something from it. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Simprove. Simprove is a digestive health supplement that I swear by after taking it for over two years now. It contains four strains of live and active bacteria that work to rebalance the gut microbiome, releasing the nutrients from your diet and working to help aid digestion and reduce bloating and cramping, as well as low mood and stress. One shot of Simprove each morning is the ideal way to maintain the balance of bacteria in your gut for a happier, healthier life. Get four weeks absolutely free when you purchase eight weeks of Simprove from Mars.ie to complete the recommended 12-week program. Use discount code UNSPOKEN15 while purchasing Tanaba Discount. Today, I'm joined by Kate, who has very bravely agreed to share her Unspoken with us. Kate speaks to me about yearning with all her heart to become a mother and how arduous and heartbreaking this journey was for her. Kate's story is a very special one and one I know will captivate your heart just as it did mine. Kate, welcome to Unspoken. Thanks, Clodagh. Thanks a million for having me. Oh, well, I'm so delighted to have you because the topic that we're here to explore today is without doubt one of our most widely requested and one that I see so many women going through and often feeling very alone as they do so. I'd love to begin our conversation by hearing if becoming a mother was something that you always wanted to do or if it came later in life as you settled down with your lovely husband Justin. Well I come from a really big family so I've three older sisters, two younger brothers and I always imagined I would have a family myself and kids and then as I got older, um, my sisters all starting ha- started having babies and um, yeah, it was just very easy for them and definitely something that I always aspired to and wanted to do. So we s- decided that we wanted to start our family when I was 32 and I just expected that it would happen really, really easily, really naturally and um yeah, it didn't. I thought definitely after a couple of months that like it did for all of my sisters mm. and for my own mom, um, that it would happen really easy, but it didn't. And we continued to start trying ourselves for the following, I think it was two years and maybe we took a year off and um, yeah, just didn't really investigate any further because I just thought maybe we're not hitting the dates right or um it's just not happening for any particular reason that wasn't out of the ordinary mm. um and then after about three and a half four years we decided okay there's something not working here so really honestly and I know it sounds like a, a lot of time that went by but I think we were just so busy kind of setting up our business and you know doing you know f- other stuff that we didn't really kind of we put it on the back burner so to speak even though we were trying 
every month. Mm. Um, and then we started to have tests done and um, I didn't think anything of it. It was all very, you know, run of the mill. And at this stage, were you worrying that this is something that might not be possible for us? I think I just kind of shut it down, to be honest. I didn't allow myself to feel what if or if it wasn't going to work. It was definitely there, but I think I probably was just a bit, um, yeah, just numbed out maybe from it or just not wanting to know that something may be wrong. Um... So, yeah, I started to, I got all the blood tests done, just the regular stuff. Justin had his um, test done as well. And actually his test came back and they were, you know, the results were under par. So we thought it was Justin. So we started taking supplements and Justin did as well for another uh, six months, I'd say. And then I started doing more tests myself just to rule stuff out. Actually, it was my acupuncturist who said, I think you should go and maybe have a HSG done, which is to test to see if your fallopian tubes are viable and or, and open. So I did um, and went and had that done. And it was the first time I'd had what felt like a really invasive procedure. What does it entail, that test? So they inject dye through your fallopian tubes with the hope that it'll spill out into your womb um, to check for any blockages, basically. And they had to do that three times because they couldn't um, see any spillover. So they just thought maybe it's going to be, you know, maybe it was just that I was nervous or really tense or, you know, but... It was really excruciating and I knew that pain couldn't be normal. Okay. So, and it was on a cold steel table and I don't think I ever felt like a piece of meat more than I did that day. And I think that was the first time that I thought something's wrong or something's just really not right. And that was terrifying And that's when stuff started to kind of get in on top of me where I was wondering, what if we don't have family? That sounds so hard. I feel cold even listening to you, the thought of you lying on that steel cold bed with these invasive tests happening. It sounds really scary, actually. Just really lonely because I was there on my own. Actually, my sister was outside um, the door um, in the waiting room. And, you know, it's a medical procedure. It's very clinical. um, And nobody's really talking to me. Mm. Um, So anyway, that was that. And I had an ultrasound done as well. Um, And then a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from my consultant and she asked me to come in. What was it like getting that call? I don't really remember it. I actually don't think, I think I was probably quite shut down really from... Just all of it. And um, I just thought, okay, I'll go in. And she didn't ask me to bring anybody in with me. So I didn't think anything of it, to be honest. I thought she was just going to go through the next steps. Mm. So I went in and I was on my own. And she said, so the news isn't good, I'm afraid. 
um, you have what's called a unicornish uterus, which means that your womb didn't develop beyond 11 weeks when you were in your mother's womb or it stopped finishing out as such. Um, so it meant that I had or I have one fallopian tube and a womb that's compromised in size. So she said it's very rare. I don't know a huge amount about it. All I'll say is don't Google it when you get home. Oh, God. So, you know, I think it was just that she didn't have enough information around it to know exactly what, you know, it was or, you know, what the repercussions were. So you've been told this really heavy news but nothing, no hope, no, we'll do this. It's like, go home and just don't knock it off. What she said was, you can try IVF, but the chances of you miscarrying early are very high. Um, There's a high risk if you make it to second trimester that you will have a spontaneous abortion. Oh, God. And if you happen to make it to third trimester you will, your baby will definitely be breached and will have to be born or will be born early because you won't make it to full term. That's a lot of really, really heavy news to take in. It really was. Yeah. And I think it really did hit me like a juggernaut that day. It really did. I'll never forget it. So I was sitting across from her and I was looking at her really totally out of body, looking at her thinking, I have no idea what you're saying. And I remember saying to her and I started crying. I was really upset because I'm on my own mm. and she's not the warmest person in the world. Um, and I said, um, she said, are you OK? And I said, I just don't know. I just don't know where to go from here. And she said, well, When you go to the door, you turn left and you go down the stairs and you walk out the door and the car park is right in front of you. Okay. The lack of compassion. Oh, I feel so sad for the absolutely shell-shocked woman that was sitting in front of her who she was speaking to in this way. Yeah, no, it it was really horrendous. And then I had to drive home. Um, she said as as I was leaving, you know, miracles do happen. And that was what I was left with. So, you know, I had never heard of a unicorn or uterus in my life. So the information that a consultant was giving me that was laid on the table just like that was what I picked up and went home with and carried So I rang my sister on the way home and what did you say to her? Well, I didn't know what to say because how do you say that you have something abnormally wrong with your womb, which is the center of your being? Um... So I told her, she just said, just come home. And I told Justin on the phone as well. 
and called into him on the way home. Um, so he equally didn't understand and he was trying to make sense of it and just went straight into practical mode, I think, as a lot of guys do. Um, and in this moment, were you like completely numb? Were you crying? What? No, I was really numb at that point. Yeah, I really was. And until I got down to my sister's house. The floodgates open then. Mm. It's like when you see somebody that you love and who loves you, it's just so hard to keep it together. Well, she's really strong. You know, she's a really strong person and is really practical around all situations. So she's always my go-to, still is my go-to. She's my best friend. And she got really upset. So when I saw her getting upset, then I thought, oh my God, this is awful. (laughs) You know. I can see you smile through tears in your eyes as you say Mm. that. Yeah, well, it's just reliving it, you know. I mean, it wasn't the reality for me in the end, but I knew nothing about that. I All I saw was what this person had put in front of me, and that was my future in my in my mind, you know, because I, I was just so vulnerable, you know, and to have this information then just like that and to have that painted as my future and my reality, they were big words to use for her, you know, they really were it was it was quite a stark and bleak outlook that I was given so I'm sure navigating that was incredibly difficult but you did say that that wasn't your outcome Mm. so where did things go from there well that was in July and we decided that we'd book a holiday to South Africa where my husband is from um for the following um February so that was kind of like my pick me up and something to really look forward to and with the view to um doing IVF once we got back okay um so we just said okay let's just let's just knuckle down and really take care of ourselves and we started to eat really well and um I went to an acupuncturist and took Chinese herbs because I wanted to get physically ready for um what felt like a battle and and that was it so that's where we put our minds and um and our hearts and went to South Africa then um and booked a long hike so it was a four-day hike through these incredible mountains in South Africa and we hadn't really hiked extensively like that before we kind of just threw ourselves into it and went quite unprepared so and it was a lot tougher than we had anticipated um but it was just so incredibly beautiful huge majestic mountains just really raw and halfway through the hike so two days in um we were on a really really tough part of of the hike itself and we ran out of water justin was getting uh, his boots actually had started to fall apart I got oh heat. God, I got Kate. heat. It was no, it was really scary. I got heat stroke. He got heat stroke. Oh and, my god! Um. So and I gave him my flip flops to wear, and they they broke, <laughs> and there wasn't like water for ages, and we we knew we were a good six hours off where we needed to be. Oh my god! I I've been to Africa, and I know you can stand in one place and literally not see anything for miles right. and miles and miles. So. To imagine you there about sick and with no shoes and right. no food and no help. Oh, my God. 
I never felt more alive in my life. Like it was just amazing. Like just that sense of being in the moment, moment by moment by moment. And where we were hiking was it was really, really bleak. It was quite barren and the um the side of the mountain that we're on at that point was all burnt out and scorched from the sun. So there was nothing growing there. It looked completely infertile. And just as we really needed hydration, we were on our knees at this point. He actually knocked over the last bit of water that was in the flask. <laughs> if we didn't kill each other on that hike, seriously. So, Is that the closest you've ever come right? to breaking up? Yeah, yeah, one of them. Yeah, definitely. And um, oh anyway, after that, we we literally turned around the side of the mountain and suddenly we were going downhill and we arrived at this oasis of Stop. ferns and water. There was a running stream, quite deep stream through the um, to I the, have chills. Oh my god! It was amazing, and it was just—it was really abundant. Everything it was so full of life. It was like yin and yang, you know, so different, total extreme. And we literally took all of our clothes off and just lay in the water because we needed to, you know, just to kind of cool down and all of that. And um, I said to Justin, "The universe is always supporting us." We're here and look at what's just happened. And if we never have kids, we'll be okay. Oh my God. What a gorgeous moment. It really was. And it felt, I knew something had really shifted. I just felt something big had really shifted. It didn't matter. And two days later, I fell pregnant naturally with Thea, our first baby. I don't think my body's ever responded in this way to a story in my life. Mm. I have shivers and goosebumps. Oh my God. Mm. yeah and and I still I thought that was six years ago maybe more six years ago six and a half years ago and I still feel as amazed by by what happened and I know there was a direct correlation there I can't really make sense of it but they were connected those two moments the moment she was conceived and what happened with myself and Justin in that experience on on that mountain range it was amazing were you spiritual before having that experience I would have always been a very uh deep thinker but never kind of would have had something that I really deeply believed in um and that changed everything that changed the trajectory of everything for me in my life and I can hand on heart say that I'm not the same person now as I was before that so two days later, you fell pregnant with your gorgeous five-year-old. Yeah, Thea. yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything you such wanted. Such a shock! Yeah. Such a shock! It was the. It was such a beautiful, beautiful confirmation that, um, that you were right in that moment. That I was right, and I never felt like that before. I bet I was always like so mistrusting of my gut and my inner knowing. And that was the first time that I felt, oh, my God, I get it. There was just this sense of self-belief and a little glimmer of trusting myself Mm. and knowing that I had something more that was totally untapped. And it felt great. 
I feel so emotional listening to you say that. It's so beautiful. She was always going to come. I know that for sure. And I think um, that experience taught me such uh, the, the power, I suppose, and beauty of letting go and really deep surrender and really laying myself bare on, on the earth and with open arms and just receiving, you know. Was your family complete with this beautiful bee in your arms or was there a longing again? No, there was definitely longing. So I was 37 when I had Bia and I knew I wanted to, I actually always wanted three kids. And so, you know, I started to kind of calculate time and when we needed to start again. And, you know, so when she was a year, we started trying again. And I thought, well, I have this sauce now. So my head started to get in the way again instead of my heart. So I was like, obviously, we weren't hitting the right dates. Obviously, because I have only one tube that I'm alternating my releasing any eggs. And so totally up my head, started Googling everything, trying to really control like how it was going to happen and when and um what I needed to eat and so so it's like you almost flipped completely mm. from that I know that it will come to me when the time is right I believe that what I need will come to me right to what's the science what's the oh yeah the medicine the what do we need to do what's the tests what's oh, the timings yeah. yeah for sure because um, I started Googling everything again. So, and, and the biggest push behind me was what I was being told around my age, actually. So not only was I Googling, but I was also trying really hard to recreate exactly how we had gotten to be here through this next baby. And so we even booked a, ho- a holiday back to South Africa thinking, well, Maybe we just need to relax, you know, those famous words in every um, couple's vocabulary um, when they're trying for a baby. And it couldn't have been more different, really, you know, and it Please didn't. Please don't tell me that you did a four day hike with being no. strapped to you. <laughs> Actually, no, no, we did do day hikes and it was a lovely holiday, but just um, I had sciatica. It was just everything was just pushing against me because I wasn't in the flow I wasn't in my own flow and that's how untrusting I was I think despite everything I thought it hasn't happened on holiday now what so then I got really intensely into um eating the right foods taking the right supplements at one point I think we were spending 500 euro a month on supplements wow top quality and um And was all of that working? No, because my mind was so jammed up. Emotionally, I was so inflamed and I was literally Googling everything. So every blood test result that I would have, the results that I would get, I would Google that and I would know everything about that. And anyway, after I think about two years of trying naturally, I did all the acupuncture, did all the herbs again. But because I wasn't really you know, in my flow, it didn't matter what I was throwing at my body. It was never going to work that way for me. Um, So we gave ourselves a timeline. So the clock is ticking really loudly in my head. and Everything that I'm thinking is, yes, but I'm now 40. 
yes, but I'm now 41. So everything was just churning, churning. And I hear that all the time with women, all the time. It's like there's a deadline. It, there's such a conditioning there, really. You know, I think once you hit 35, which, by the way, is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, there's just this, you know, constant narrative in your head about your aging eggs. And it's always about the women, really. And the pressure And of the that. pressure of that is horrendous. Yeah. Uh, so then we did, decided to do kind of more go down more the medical route so we did or I did eight months of injectables so it's medicated cycles where you inject yourself and I ovulated and then you would have time to intercourse so there was eight months of that so filling my body up with a lot of synthetics which does not suit me at all but still I was totally going against my gut and just kept doing it and where was your mental health at this stage not good at all so I would say I was very microscopic about everything everything was planned controlled there was very little spontaneity or joy in my life at the time even though I had this beautiful girl already and that was also a pull against me as well just the guilt around you know already having her and feeling like I was really missing out on her first years of life and how quickly they go by just it was endless that constant berating of myself was daily hourly you know it was I can see that now looking back on it but I think when I was in it I had no concept of what I was actually doing to myself and when you were in that really dark place how were things with Justin how was your relationship So work was really busy as well. We were working from home. So he was, you know, really focused on that. I was really, we were very separated, I would say. And um, Justin is always really supportive of whatever it is that I want to do. You know, he will always support no matter what. But he just would say every so often, I don't understand. Is being not enough for you? She is my everything. And she was and is my everything. And it just, it wasn't that she wasn't enough. But I just knew that there was another baby there. I could feel it. And that was the hard part. I often said, I wish I couldn't feel that, that pull of another little soul. But she was there always, always calling and i couldn't i couldn't describe that to justin because it wasn't that wasn't his experience so we were very separated on that so we did the 8 months of medicated cycles and in that period of time i had two chemical pregnancies which is where you i fell pregnant but they just didn't follow through so 6 months later after the um chemical pregnancies we decided we wanted to go down the IVF route and for me that was the end of the road that was going to be the last stop because at that point Clodagh we had done absolutely everything we had done everything naturally all the alternative therapies um the medicated cycles and now these two rounds of IVF so the idea with two rounds of IVF was that we would bank embryos because I really wanted in my mind if we wanted two more babies 
to have our family as a family of five, which in my mind was what we wanted to do. Um, I wanted to have that backup. So I that's when I got into serious, okay, let's be really militant about all of this. So once I was on board with that, um, that's what we did. We did two rounds of IVF and they that was over the summer. So one, the first round was in May. The second round was in August. Um, we got our results in September to say that all nine embryos that we had harvested were all abnormal. Okay. Mm. What was getting that news like after all that putting everything into it? What was getting that news like? It was absolutely devastating because that was it for us. You know, as such something that we thought this is the last stop now hadn't worked and what now and Justin was done at that point he couldn't go any further he just turned to me and said I can't do this anymore um all the planning all of the controlling I want to live our lives again and that was just so devastating. I imagine it took a lot for him to to say that given He's, how supportive you, incredibly supportive you say that he is. Yeah, no, he, I mean, Justin would, as I said, he will back me up with whatever it is that I want to do. So for him to say that, I knew was really huge. I knew it was really big for him to say that because he would normally just go along with whatever it, it with whatever it was that I wanted. So that was a very definitive moment for us. You've already used this term, but it sounds like that was him again on his knees. I just can't do this anymore. For sure. What was it like for you to hear that then? Well, to not have his backup was, it was huge, you know, and I felt so alone with it and on my own. I knew still at this point I wasn't done. I knew it. I just knew I wasn't done. And now I didn't have the support of of Justin with it. God. And I thought, what am I going to do? Because that urge to have another baby, it was it was so all consuming and it was it hadn't gone anywhere. But I knew I felt completely depleted and emptied out in every sense of the word. There was nothing left of me physically or emotionally, nothing. Having said that, I thought to myself, let's just take this month off. Give Justin, give Justin a break <laughs> and we'll get back to it. Um, the next month I'll be able to kind of bring him around, you know. Um, so what I said to Justin was, can we just agree to take a few months off and see where we're at in January? Maybe do another round in January. And at that point he was like, no, Um so I said, okay, well, can you just be open to it? 
you know, and I, you weren't letting go. No, you know, and I, it sounds awful, but I just, I, I just, some, I, I just couldn't let it go. Mm. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I was listening to myself going, can you hear yourself? And at this point, you said earlier, I knew there was another baby for us. Mm. You know, were you still hopeful? Did you, did you believe that it would happen or? At that point, like, I don't know that I believed that it would happen, but all I knew was that I needed to finish this out. And I knew that hadn't happened yet. What does that mean? Well, I just thought, let's do one more round and finish that out and get our bodies really ready again and just clear my system, I suppose, of all the drugs that I'd taken and start again in February, January, February. Because again, I'm thinking my age, I'm 40, I think it was 41 in January. And yeah, so that was kind of pressing on me again. So um, Justin didn't fully commit to that, but he agreed to take a step backwards and go back to Chinese herbs and Siobhan Kyo, who I went to, um, who's a fertility specialist. And that's when things started to really change for me. So Siobhan's work would be a lot about mindfulness and meditation. And honestly, when I went to her and I laugh about about this with her now, I went to her because I wanted the, the herbs and um give me the goods <laughs> no really I was like just give me the bleeping herbs she was like I don't really do that where I don't really I don't do acupuncture anymore I don't really my work really isn't in the herbs anymore I'll give them to you but um actually when I'm working with a couple I do a lot more of the inner work and honestly when I was in that zone where I was just eye rolling and just going no bleeping way no way I'm not doing that. Um, But I knew that was the only way I could get the herbs. (laughs) So (laughs) I dubiously signed up, you know, to Siobhan. And um, And where were you? Where was your internal world at that point? Oh, it wasn't. It was all in my head. I was all up in my head. And that was it. Totally and utterly stuck in my head. What was... was I used to have this sensation. I used to have the sensation that I didn't have a middle... It was the weirdest thing. And I get that now. I get what it was because all of my energy was up in my head and just rotating around and around and around and not dropping anywhere. So I'd have very little sensation of the rest of my body physically other than my head. So you were rolling your eyes. Yeah. I was. <laughs> this isn't for me, but I'm going to go along. Oh, with I was really pissed off. I was like, I'm not... Like, this is ridiculous. I don't actually, I was thinking, we don't have time for this. So anyway, Siobhan was very definite on her work and how she did things. And so we just went on with it. And I thought, look, we've nothing to lose. Let's just put our faces on the Zoom call and just get the herbs. (laughs) So we did. And five minutes into that conversation, I knew that the path was going to change drastically for both myself and Justin because what she was saying was really on point and it all made sense to me. What was she saying? Um, 
at that time, all of our work was in the house. So we ran our business from home. So every room in our house. So she would ask questions about her lifestyle and all of that. But every room in our house was full of boxes. Boxes on the stairwell, boxes in the hallway, boxes in the living room. Um, We had no space for myself and Justin or for another baby to come in. And she spoke about the importance of making space. And um, she spoke about Justin and she knew that Justin, by looking at his tongue, was a very engineered kind of microscopic kind of guy would analyze everything and just get the head down and and that I was very controlling <laughs> controlled controlling um and just a a type just pushing striving um I always believed and I grew up with the belief that if you work hard enough that you will always get what you want or what you need and this wasn't fitting anymore so it kind of threw everything out of the window for me and so vastly different to where you were just before Bia was conceived. Right. It was like they were two different people. And, you know, Claudia, that was the thing. I felt that if I had enough information, if I gathered enough information, that that would give me more ammunition and more kind of um, control over what was going to happen over the outcome that if I worked hard enough, that I would get where we needed to be. And it just all fell apart, all of that. Because the more information that I got, the more questions it it brought up. It was bottomless, absolutely bottomless. So Siobhan mentioned doing meditation. Another big eye roll, hated meditating. Um... But actually, the one thing that really um, made a lot of sense to me was space. So myself and Justin took off to the beach and I cried for three days solid because I was having to put all of the stuff that I had done down and I was having to step out of my way. And that was absolutely terrifying. And it left me feeling really exposed, really vulnerable really on the path for becoming really hurt even though I'd been hurt the whole way along it didn't make sense and at this stage I imagine emotionally you were so fragile as it was I was yeah like just totally emptied out totally depleted totally and utterly and it I remember right because I did a lot of journaling at the time and I remember writing I don't even know who I am anymore I have no idea what pieces of me are left? I didn't recognize any part of myself at all. And that felt really awful. I felt really pathetic, actually. And looking back on that now, you know, I, I can't believe that I felt like that about myself because at a time when I should have really been nourishing and nurturing myself I couldn't have mothered myself any less than I was at that time I was so removed really removed so where did you go from here did you start the meditating yeah I did and um well actually first of all we cleared Justin we went on holiday to Kerry 
and um that was really beautiful just me and him and I came back to the house one day and he was on the computer and he said okay so don't kill me but I found somewhere to rent for work and immediately I was like no way we're not doing that because it's gonna blah 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 just hear me out I think it's gonna make more space at home and eventually I was like I mean that was another point where Justin was interjecting and was very sure on where we needed to go with stuff so when he does that I know I need to listen to him mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen very often but when it happens I know it's a big a big move and an important one so I said okay well let's do that and as soon as we moved we moved all the boxes out over the weekend and as soon as that happened I remember coming down the stairs the next morning and hearing Justin and Bea laughing and being really excited and I thought oh my god this is what this is bringing to our lives so there was that little trickle of joy again back in our home and one of the rooms I was able to make space for myself so I had a couch and my books and my journal my pen and I made that space mine and creating that physical space was the beginning of Olivia every morning I would get up and I would start to journal so I would write out all the things that were in my head and on my heart and after a little while stuff started to really stream through and I started writing about self-worth and how I was feeling about myself and I realized that it was echoing how I had felt initially when I got the news six years ago about my unicornish uterus that at that time when I was told that I remember feeling so incomplete and that I wasn't worth finishing out. And that was that kind of threw me sideways because I didn't realize that that was sitting there, but it was there and it was kind of dictating um, all the decisions and thoughts and core beliefs that I had about myself throughout my entire life. And here it was coming up again in my writing. So it was like this little gift that was been given to me to really take into my hands and and look at and care for and and love back into myself again. And that's where I began unraveling and following. I followed that thread over the next four months and it brought me to some really beautiful places. So the more of that work that I was doing, the more and the closer to my bones that I was working, I realized that the universe was really sending me all the right people. So it was mad. Like every person that I met that was saying things to me, I was like, oh my God, I would get literally tingles because I knew that was another confirmation that I was on the right path. So these little signs here and there. Yeah. These little synchronicities. Right. And Olivia was a big name for Justin, actually. He never kind of brought any names to the forefront, but he came up to the bedroom one evening and he said, you know, I really love the name Olivia. And I was like, yeah, it's okay." And then I thought, well, I'm going to use that. Um, It was kind of like a little test, you know, I'm going to use that as a sign. Every time that name comes up, then then I know that this is going to happen. 
And I remember after one of my IVF cycles going down the M50 and my sister rang and she said, how are you feeling about starting IVF again? And I burst out crying and I pulled into this tiny little petrol station. I couldn't even tell you if I could find it again, to be honest. And I said, I really don't know if this is going to work. What if this is the end of the road for us and all of the fears and anxieties that I had around that? And I looked up and there was this rotating advertising, um, I don't know what you call them, thing. And it had, I think, McDonald's on the first one. And then it rotated just as, as I said that. And it was Olivia Jewelry. And, you know, it was just there was there were a lot of those tiny little tiny but mighty big messages that she was there I'm coming wow. yeah and um and on another occasion I brought my dog to the vet um Joe Kavner and um we got into this whole conversation as you do with Joe about um energy and you know he was asking how we were and I told him what was going on and he said you have to imagine as if this baby is already here. Believe that this baby is already here. Every night you think about holding that baby, what it feels like, let every cell in your body vibrate as if this baby has already happened. And whatever it was about that conversation, it it really, um, it really drove home to me the importance of raising your cellular vitality and vibration. And so we did that and it felt amazing because it took the focus off having a baby and more on living our lives again and bringing joy into our lives as if she was already here. How far you travelled from those original eye rolls. Mm, very quickly. And that is the thing with, with that kind of work and it is accessible to everybody is that once you fully commit to it, things start moving really, really quickly. It's amazing. There is no sense of time with it. So what started moving for you? Um, it became less about having a baby and more about really living in abundance and being really grateful for everything that we already had and that we wanted to bring in without any timeline. So letting go of all timelines and believing. And it just made every decision that I was making very look very different consciously and subconsciously. And it became so much more about tending to my own fire rather than looking for this baby, you know, and feeding myself and and really if anything I would say Olivia has brought all of that to me that sense of really deep mothering nourishing and nurturing myself and the importance of all of that and that is that is what she has brought so that little soul that you felt was coming to you that little Olivia Mm. she did come she did come and you know um the stuff that I had written in my journal was it's quite amazing because in one I think it was on the 15th of December I wrote I can feel it she is really close and I I just I kept saying she she's really really close she's coming I know she's coming and it's gonna happen really quickly and um yeah around that time as well I had that meditation where 
I think I was doing like a lot of the inner child work. So I was bringing a lot of light to kind of like, we'll say different ages of myself where I knew that I felt a certain way and trying to really bring that back. I would physically in my mind, physically carry that little four-year-old or eight-year-old around for the day and really love her as I would my own. And, um, I started to do that meditation and really it was like it, it it all I lost all sense of time in that meditation because I started doing that work and weirdly all of a sudden it was like I was floating in these galaxies and I could see the sperm meeting the egg and they were beautiful and then embedding in my womb and out flew this baby and she jumped into my arms and I said oh hello Olivia and two weeks later, I fell pregnant, naturally. Wow, the power of that. The power of that. And I think, you know, like I said, it that is so accessible to everybody. And I think for me, um, I know that the body follows the mind. So however healthy your mind is or your mindset is, then your body will naturally follow and balance out because that's the nature and beauty and intelligence of of every body is that it will always follow suit. And yeah, it was like my internal world was now reflecting externally, you know. And I don't think that would ever have happened without me really just finding that deep sense of peace that I felt on the lead up to conceiving Olivia. Looking at you now, I can see the joy and vitality on your face. Your whole energy has shifted. But I'm also conscious that you've said from the start that three was your number. Mm. Where are you at with that now? Well, Olivia is seven months now. And um, yeah, definitely we are trying for a third. Um I don't know. I think, you know, I feel like this third baby is potentially really close as well. But there is a part of me that I, f- I can feel myself holding back a little bit because we don't, we have so many balls in the air. We're moving house. We're going to be building. We have two very, well, one really little mm. soul and a five and a half year old who's lots of needs. Um, so in a way, I feel like I'm kind of holding back a little bit, but fundamentally, we would absolutely love a third. Having said that, it feels very different to, you know, calling Olivia in because um, if it didn't work out, I know that I would make absolute peace with that because I feel unbelievably lucky to be where we're at with our two little girls. Um, But yeah. We'll see what happens. I'm almost afraid to ask, but does Justin know you're trying for a third? <laughs> Somewhat. Surprise! I know he does. <laughs> I know he does. He does. I mean, I think this time as well, he def- like as soon as Olivia was born, she was literally steaming in my arms. And I turned to Justin and I said, I cannot wait. I can't wait to have our third. And he near his face just fell. He was like, no. No. And I'd say until she was about four or five months, you know, he was like, no, I think I think we're done. 
And I said, we'll see. So. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he is on board. I mean, obviously, if he wasn't completely on board, it wouldn't be happening. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, as I was saying that, I was like, no, the history, the, it's not adding up. <laughs> you have something that you'd like to share with us. A page from your journal. Yes. That you brought with you. Okay. Um, it's about coming home and... um. Very often I'd write these pieces in my journal and really, honestly, like never go back over them again. But I went back over this and I thought that that was it. It was about coming home, all of it. And this is what I wrote actually in on that holiday in Kerry in one of the first days where we had literally put everything down and we didn't know where we were at with things. Over the years, the search for home grew from soft pulse to a deafening beat. I thought it was a place, somewhere to call our own, and then I thought it was the people I call family. But the more I go through this, the more I realise that home is where my blood flows and where the quiet spirit inside me feels joy and dances to the tune of life, whatever the weather. That is home. I am home. It's where the roots grow deep, and anchor me into the earth on the wildest of days. That is home. There's a quiet voice inside me that's growing slowly but surely into something steady and strong and beautiful. And I love her. I am strength. I am resilience. I am the soft in the folds of love and powerful on the edges of darkness. I have had the privilege of working with many beautiful women as they navigate fertility journeys. Women who hold a wish in their heart, a wish bigger than they've ever carried. From holding their hands as they bravely walk this path, as well as navigating my own journey when I yearned more than anything to become a mother, I know how deeply emotive this journey is and how all-consuming it can be. The fact is that when you yearn for something this much, Just as Kate described yearning for her gorgeous girls, her gorgeous teachers, the gorgeous little souls she knew were meant for her and she for them, it can become the most important and monopolizing thing in your life. So monopolizing that all our energy can go into the doing. The monitoring, the testing, the researching, the list is as long as my arm and if you've been there you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. When I sit with my beautiful clients who walk this path, I often sense how lost they can feel in all of this doing. Lost and alone and absolutely earth-shatteringly exhausted. In those moments, my heart desperately wants to wrap these beautiful women up and look after them. To look after their aching hearts. To look after their pain. To look after their sadness. And so... In these moments, I always encourage these women to do that for themselves, to look after themselves. For no other reason than because this journey is one of the most challenging journeys of them all. This idea of looking after ourselves can often be thrown about, but what actually does it mean? When I say it, what message am I trying to give these beautiful women? Let's take a moment to consider this together. To look after oneself is to pause and consider your needs in that very moment. 
How am I feeling right now and what do I need? Perhaps you're feeling absolutely exhausted and if so, what do you need in this moment to look after yourself in that? Rest? Sleep? To pause? To let go as Kate so beautifully spoke about to us? What do you need and how can you offer this to yourself exactly as you would a small child who looks to those around her to meet her needs? So what do you need in this moment? Take a moment to consider this. What do you need? Perhaps it's to lower your expectations of yourself. Perhaps it's connection. Perhaps it's to say no and to stand your ground. Perhaps it's to allow someone to support you as you navigate something in your life that is all-consuming and oh-so-lonely. So what do you need? Often when my beautiful clients consider their needs in these moments, they are yearning for stillness, for pause, for a moment to catch their breaths and dust themselves and their hearts and their souls off. For me, when I'm in the midst of struggle, I often yearn for calm because calm is something my mind will most certainly be not if I'm finding things difficult. So how do I find this calm? Well, I walk, preferably by nature, by water or by green open spaces. I sit, I write, I place my hand against my heart and I breathe. The aim for me is always to centre and ground myself and perhaps to allow the tears to flow. And then, then I go home and I seek connection. A hug. And I know this is really difficult, I'm here. A listening ear from someone who I know can meet me in this moment with love and kindness and care. And actually, as I say that, I realise that sometimes that person is me but sometimes it's someone else. Either way, whoever it is, every time I allow myself to open up in this way, I reap the rewards. So let me ask you one last time. What do you need in this moment? How can you look after yourself today Tomorrow, this week, if you're in the middle of something that's exhausting you, how can you look after yourself? Thank you so much for listening to Unspoken with me, Dr. Clodagh Campbell, the wellness psychologist. Be sure to like, subscribe and follow me at the wellness psychologist on Instagram if you'd like to hear more. If you identified with this topic, make sure to check out the show notes where I've listed related resources for you. I hope you find them beneficial.